Hey, this is Ryan Lichten from Culture Dumps and Podcast 99. Do you wish you could do something to support your boys even more than just listening to our awesome shows? Well, now you can. Subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash culturedumps, where you will find over 100 bonus episodes from our many side series, like Squirts, DocuDumps, Ryan's Report, WDUMP, The Brown Sound, and Woodstock 99 set commentaries. Our Patreon also includes exclusive access to our research materials and a cornucopia of other Dump and Woodstock 99 related content, including the infamous Woodstock 99 mystery tape. We know times are tough. If you can't swing a subscription, always remember, a great way to support the show is to spread the word. Keep on dumping, and we'll see you at Woodstock. Hello, folks, and welcome back to Culture Dumps. We are on part three of our Anna Nicole Smith series. Uh, we're almost uh, almost at the end here. Um, all the fun stuff's kind of over. Uh, it's going to it's gonna kind of take a downturn now, uh, this episode and, and next, so buckle up for that. But um, we do have... It's uh, all fun, depending on how you look at it. I mean... No, it's going to get pretty nasty and pretty dark. <laughs> I think it is. I think it everyone is. can agree. Um, I'm Brian Lichten, by the way, uh, joined by Parks Miller, of course. Um, one thing uh, real quick, though, kind of cool. We have a limited run of shirts. This is our first official Culture Dumps merch. Uh, we have done shirts in the past with Meth Syndicate. But these ones are, are strictly, you know, from us. Um, they're available at culturedumps.bigcartel.com. It's uh our Anna Nicole inspired shirts. They are inspired by. They're not Anna Nicole shirts. <laughs> okay, yeah, they're <laughs> they're they're just a culture dump uh, theme to kind of commemorate a hundred episodes yes. of dumping around the world, dumping, and obviously Anna Nicole is a huge uh, cornerstone of whatever it is culture dumps is all about. You know, like a lot can be summed up in our ethos. Yeah, like I would Anna say Nicole Smith's story. Like the two strongest examples of like a dump really would be like Woodstock 99 and Anna Nicole Smith. Like that's like yeah. ultimate ultimate levels there. Uh, before we go, I want to have a couple nerd moments where I had some dumps in the wild. Okay. Uh, so, someone uh this weekend mentioned uh cnc music factory and i just was like pushed up the glasses i was like <laughs> martha, martha wash uh you know the voice the voice of a, the you know and uh they didn't want to hear it but <laughs> <laughs> like, i know it's, it's pretty... i hate that <laughs> well and then like, um because here's the thing if someone in in public <laughs> is like talking about anything that we've covered on the show like they're they're bringing it up because they want to be the one to share the facts but um excuse me <laughs> um, i happen to be um yeah <laughs> i actually have a podcast that we talked about cnc music factory for a whole hour yeah and they're just like okay. so they're like oh uh-huh uh-huh thought we were going to be done with that yeah uh the other thing well the other thing was uh was balloon fest because we saw i saw a bunch of balloons uh someone had let let go of like 20 balloons and it looked pretty weird so i was like imagine a million because <laughs> i'm actually so in uh in cleveland ohio in uh 1980 yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know dude it's a blessing and a fucking it's a curse dude, dude like 
you know what pisses me off? Like, uh, sometimes, like, every once in a while, I'll run into someone. They're like, dude, did you see, like, the Woodstock 99 thing? I'm like, and they don't know me. And I'm like, uh, I happen to be the world's foremost expert on Woodstock 99. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. There was no, I was like, I know. I know. Like, I get pissed <laughs> yeah. off when someone tries to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Def- but, but also, it's like, I wasn't there. <laughs> but right. I was like, I know, I know, I know all about it. I was like, I know, I've talked um, to fucking, like, oh, yeah, no one, and you know what? Um, no one cares. Okay, two more things. Uh, one is that I saw recently that uh, Drake was wearing an ICP jersey, and uh, Violent J from ICP, you know, they asked him, someone asked him about it, and he was like, there is absolutely no way that Drake is like listening to our music. It was like from like their first or second album. And he was like, it's just, he was just like commenting. He's like, man, I go online and I see ICP shirts for selling for like $600, you know? Yeah. And it's just, you know, that's just part of like, I guess, streetwear or whatever you want to call it, where it's like just the, the band logo at this point, we're, we're 10 years past like name three songs, right? Like that was like, the first time you saw like a hot topic girl wearing a Nirvana shirt or a Ramon shirt, like that was like 15 years ago to get right, upset right. about them not know. Like now you see like extremely hip kids wearing like Def Leppard shirts. And it's like, you don't even need to ask because there's no way that they're listening to Def Leppard. I mean, I remember it's it, <laughs> dorky as fuck. Like, I think it turned the corner, like, like past that. Like you said, like the name three songs era, like once like you started seeing like, like fucking rappers wear like Marilyn Manson shirts and like that was like hot for a second. I was like, oh yeah, no. And also like here's the thing though, like streetwear world, like I have a lot of friends in that world, like kind of grew up like around it. It's like that's the one like subculture that really doesn't give a shit about street cred. Like they don't fucking care. Like they, they don't care about like like who who bit who or or, or or like they don't care that if they all go out together that they're all literally wearing the same exact thing they don't give a shit that they don't know the songs of the band that they're, it's more about just owning it you know and so it's like they're kind of immune yeah. to like being called a poser you know right that's yeah. the i mean being called a poser is maybe a dump i do i have been thinking <laughs> a lot about uh being a sellout recently and i feel like sellout and poser uh, they're not the same, but they they both sort of. I feel like Poser kind of came after Sellout, uh, but but essentially the shirt is the shirt. Like it is its own. It's a, it has a completely different like place in culture. So like what the band is like the the idea of like wearing the band tee because you love and represent the band that still exists, but there now is like a completely other different approach to wearing a shirt that it's just like it might be the aesthetics of the shirt it might be because it's vintage in some other trend and that's totally fine like, yeah whatever not, like that that that's not really a big deal i'm but too old to give a it shit is, yeah but i did see it because it's funny that drake wore and i don't have much of an opinion on him i have a lot of opinions on icp but it's still it, it is still kind of funny because i feel like drake is kind of like a hot topic girl yeah. Where, you know, you would kind of be like, name three ICP songs. Um, right, right. But, okay, and then the other thing is I, I got an Anna Nicole. I got the Anna Nicole Smith uh, Playboy uh, from eBay. Nice. Um, And I, 
like I'm a, an adult, but I still like I felt like I still had to like hide it under my bed. <laughs> and I, I don't know why. I'm like it like it arrived at my house. I was like, oh, I, I got this. Better hide this from me. <laughs> yeah. um, no, so I guess it's kind no of better there's still sleep. the power of of the just the feeling of like, oh, this is a Playboy and it, it could get you in trouble, even though it's very tame. Yeah. Well, there's no better sleep than the sleep on a bed that is uh, on top of hidden Playboys. Just knowing they're safe (laughs) and sound. Like, it's like having a gun under your pillow. Like, I know exactly where it is. Yeah. 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 I have have a couple. I also have uh, all of her trim spa ads. Like, I bought those off eBay. Like, someone had torn them out out of magazines over, like, a two-year period and just saved them. And I have all those. Like I don't know what I'm gonna do with them. Yeah. Like maybe wallpaper in my bathroom or something. But um, but this oh, but it it was the the Vicky Lynn. It was oh it was yeah Miss oh Vicky the OG. Lynn. Uh, yeah. So that was that was kind of that was my like nerdy justification. Um, but, I have the added a cool Playboy, but uh, actually, kind of like I like her earlier stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the so. pre the pre Anna Anna. I have a I have a couple issues of Playboy with her on the cover, but like there it's it's well into her her shit. But yeah, um, folks, help us out, get a shirt. Um, you know it, it's uh we're only making these once uh, for a very specific reason that I will talk about on our Patreon. Um, but uh, there's only uh yeah there's there's only a few of each size. So uh, culturedumps.bigcartel.com. By the time this comes out, there will be even less. So make sure you get one while you can, and we'll have different shirts uh, in the future. But let's get to it. So last time on Culture Dumps, Anna reached the top of the modeling world in Playboy world. She starred in a couple of films, married billionaire J. Howard Marshall. She lost her husband. She went through a blizzard of highly publicized legal troubles involving her husband's estate. She had a severe and rapid fall from grace, was granted her own show, which helped to revolutionize the platform that was television, and she was offered a gig as a spokesperson for a new weight loss supplement called Trim Spa. Um, now, before we go get into uh, the next phase here, I do want to just talk about her posse really quick from the show. I know we talked about Howard K. Stern uh, a bit. Dude, like, the more uh, this story goes on, like, the more that guy just seems so weaselly to me. He's just such a fucking weasel. And, like, all the pictures of them, like, post and Nicole show, he's just, like, trashed. And he just looks like, you know what he reminds me of? And there's this long history, like how in the in the first episode of this series, I talked about how there's this history of blonde bombshells, uh, many of which have, you know, had a, some kind of tragedy in their life or reached a tragic end. And there's always some sticky man behind it, you know, like uh, with uh, with, with uh, like, like I think about Dorothy Stratton. Uh, in particular, who was a Playboy of Playmate of the Year, mm-hmm. um, and, yeah. and I believe in the '70s or early '80s, she was getting a, a movie career going. But she had this fucking boyfriend that she brought from her hometown that exploited her at every turn. Used uh, her connections at Playboy to kind of get his own business going. That business ended up being Chippendales, uh, which he, which is a whole nother kind of culture dump world um but you know it was it was dorothy stratton's boyfriend uh, i forgot his name it was like paul something but um paul schneider yeah or snyder not y- no yeah 
Yeah, um, he he was the one that like kind of saw the how the Playboy like club girls would dress like the bunnies, and he was like, "Oh, mm. we should do that with men. That's where the little bow ties and stuff comes from, and the cuffs and Chippendales. It, it's literally ripped from Playboy." Um, but he ended up murdering her because she got too big for him and was and you know like could see he was a hanger on she's getting exposed to all these new people and then you know in anna world you have howard k stern who is just like like you're my cash cow like i'm gonna i'm gonna stop being a lawyer essentially just to like ride this out and now you're my source of income uh even though i'm telling you that it's all for you because i'm kind of your manager Mm -hmm. and we'll see how dark that that goes we could we could take a moment to uh, you know, just kind of there is a it, it definitely highlights some very, you know, predatory uh, elements of the entertainment industry because you are, you know, this whole like America's Sweetheart blonde bombshell archetype. Uh, I mean, it is essentially is kind of creating this like highly unrealistic standard of American beauty, you know. It is just like this, like you, you, you be the being the perfect, the perfect woman. Right. And then it's like and you're going to be like wholesome, but also sexy at the same time. And so it's like that sort of right in between where you're you are America's sweetheart, but you're also you know, there is like a sexuality involved. And so it's it it definitely is just a strange phenomenon whereas there's just a lot of effort being placed in creating this perfect image for these women and behind the scenes there's just like all these like dudes you know like predatory in industry type entertainment types you're like hey you want to get famous or people you that want to be a star to, to like people that wanted to break into that world themselves so badly that like they managed to weasel like but the only talent they had was manipulating so it's like they weasel their way into this position and now they're only like entry into this world that they like idolize so much and idealize is through this other person. So it's in their best interest to keep that person under their control, no matter how bad it is for the person in question. And that's what, that's what we're going to be seeing. Um, But also I I just really wanted to pay more respect to uh, her assistant, Kimmy, Kimmy, uh, Kimmy Walder, um, who now I believe is a, is a registered nurse. Um, You know, her relationship with Kimmy again, like you kind of have, like I said, it's like an angel and the devil, like on the shoulders, Kimmy being the angel, Howard being the devil. And like, mm-hmm. it, there's a great episode of the show where Anna's gonna get her, one of her tattoos brushed up. Dude, she has the fucking, like, you know, we're really, I'm really trying not to make fun of Anna Nicole, like, on any of these episodes. But dude, her tattoos were dog shit. She has the worst fucking tattoos I've ever seen in my life <laughs> for being like <laughs> uh, someone that's like a supermodel. Yeah. And like, I'm sure any mm-hmm. premier tattoo artist would kill to fucking use her as a palette. She has the fucking worst Daytona beach fucking washed out. Like, like the needle is like as fat as a crayon is like, or like a, a crayon, you know, like, yeah, it's, did you see te- me get Texas? Did you see me Texas. get a uh, self-conscious about my pronunciation of crayon? Crayon. I, I had to say crayon right afterwards. Uh, you know, I've heard people say crown. So that's just I never heard crayon. Dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Milk. <laughs> but so, yeah, but, I mean, she's it, the tattoos. It, it's uh, it, yeah, it's it's her, it's her roots, right? Right. Well, I, I mean, I think it's fair to say most people who have tattoos have at least one that, you know, 
your first maybe your first or second one you know is is in some ways regrettable whether or not you say it's regrettable there is that one you're like oh yeah i got that and blah 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 and like i just turned 18 and you know it's like let me leave a extremely permanent reminder of how much of an idiot I was when I was yeah it's like it's a like teenager fucking boardwalk chic like just fucking like whatever tattoo like flash off the wall but uh, there's an episode of the show where where yeah Anna's gonna get one of her tattoos touched up and Kimmy has a tattoo of Anna and it it legit just looks like a fucking sailor's tattoo like of Anna like with right, these right. giant boobs and so like Anna like like signs her autograph and like Kimmy gets that tattooed but that's like Kimmy's fucking dedication like she's like a mega fan like obsessed in love with her you know fucking got the tattoo and then you have fucking howard also there's the dog sugar pie who is just running throughout this whole thing um but on with the show trim spa baby it could be argued that with the exception of her marriage to j howard marshall and the scandal that followed or even her work with guests the one thing Anna Nicole Smith is most remembered for was a slew of late night commercials and print ads for a mysterious diet supplement known as Trim Spa. The commercial she filmed for Trim Spa presented Anna with something she had never had before, a catchphrase, like my body. However, before we discuss her time as the face of Trim Spa and the consequences that followed, we must first discuss how she got the job. So... When her show came out, the main thing that people talked shit about her, you know, and the show was her figure and that she had gained so much weight. I mean, like by now standards, I mean, she she was a, a bigger gal, but she was also super tall. I mean, she's just like a big person in general. She wasn't like super fucking fat. She was just bigger than what we recognized her as, you know, um, this is this is also in the time of like late 90s. You know, we've, we've you've talked about it. Heroin chic. You have like Paris Hilton and Tara Reid. You have Christina Aguilar. You had those low rise jeans, like the extremely skinny uh, body type. Because I mean, it almost—it's like a few years later that then people are starting to say, "Wow, like these, you know, these beauty standards are incredibly unrealistic." You know, like people were talking about bulimia and anorexia because you're trying to like look so skinny. So there was a lot of instances of women in that time being yeah called fat because well, then, it was like then, they then thick made its know. appearance and then thick fucking gave way to like bbls and all sorts of fucking cosmetic it, and, corrections and this is and so anna nicole was in a pre-thick world yeah in which thick was it <laughs> because now th you know it's like yeah like it's it is interesting how I, I feel like a lot of anna nicole's life like she would be m much more celebrated today uh, For sure, and, like, there would be much, much more of a like yas go off kind of approach. Well, and I feel like her, she is, you know, I mean, she's getting that recognition yeah. now. Um, and like, you know, right. her, her memes from the show are being fucking like, you know, there's there's all this fucked up stuff happening, you know, with, uh, you know, Israel and Palestine. And, and there's an episode of the Anna Nicole show where even back then some fucked it, you know, again, fucked up shit was happening over there. And Howard, yes. Howard, like, like they're in a limo on the way to some, some guests, like anniversary party. And he's like, you should, uh, you should speak out on, on behalf of Israel or, or Palestine. Like you should, uh, you should, you know, speak your mind on that. And she's like, I know nothing. 
about yeah. nothing, which is how most people, if you don't, like, if you're not like a political commentator, should handle that. But like people have been mm-hmm. sharing that like a whole shit ton. It's like you should comment on Israel. She's like, I know nothing. But so it's like nowadays, uh, yeah. like every mm-hmm. like she has like the the correct recognition. I feel like it's just too late. But um, so yeah, like when her show came out, everyone was making fun of her. It was reported that her kitchen was just filled with Kraft Easy Mac. Pizza flavored Pringles, strawberry milk, and pickles, which is very specific. And you do see her eating all of those things throughout the duration of the show. Um, but then, uh, like I said, you know, the show only lasted two seasons. So the novelty of the Anna Nicole show, show wore off during the second season. So Anna once again found herself the jobless butt of America's new favorite joke. But it was time for a serious change. But as we discussed, Anna was never one for clean living. So when a vitamin and wellness entrepreneur named Alexander Sizelnowski, a.k.a. Alex Gowen, which is way easier to say, uh, he approached Anna with an opportunity to hawk his new supposed miracle weight loss supplement. Anna was all in, and that product was known as Trim Spa. Trim Spa X32, to be exact. Uh, This is the point in the episode where I remind you that we're not scientists but I'm going to try and explain Mm -hmm. this shit. So, (laughs) (laughs) I know. Trim Spa hit the market in 2001 and initially featured the key ingredients ephedra and caffeine. Ephedra is a synthesized version of the plant ephedra sinica, a plant native to Mongolia, Russia, and parts of eastern China. The plant has been widely used in eastern medicine for centuries for its stimulant properties as well as its thermogenic effects. Thermogenic is metabolism boosting. Uh, It's basically similar to the shit that you would find in any early over-the-counter diet pills or even most energy drinks now. Um, It's not like it wasn't amphetamines or anything like that. Like you could go in and just ask for them to pull this out of the case for you and buy it. It was always over-the-counter. Now, Trim Spa was vaguely successful upon its release, but they hit a big snag in 2003 when the government advised against the use of ephedra due to extreme side effects and even ephedra-related deaths. So it was back to the drawing board. The brilliant minds over at Trim Spa soon found a replacement for ephedra in the form of Hudi Gorodoni, a cactus-like plant native to Botswana and Nambia, which was also known for its appetite-suppressing qualities. However, those qualities were falsely marketed and were based on claims by folk medicine healers of the regions. So essentially, like, they're just going to, you know, just these faith folk healers, you know, folk medicine guys. And they're like, oh, yeah, this works for that. They're like, okay, let's market that. But that's something that they've been saying for thousands of years without any actual scientific research. Uh, They basically just found another plant in another part of the world that wasn't illegal to throw into pills to put over the counter. Um, right. Yeah. So that's all. It's all like a lot of that. Um, caffeine is the driving force of Trim Spa. Let's just say caffeine. That. Yeah. Um, but I guess just this uh, has been going on for many years because it's if anytime you can when you are offering something that, you know, is directly relating to an insecurity, a common insecurity, uh, as if you can make those claims then you have a good chance of at least selling some product, whether or not you have a good chance of, you know, but hair loss, weight loss, uh, erectile dysfunction, all forms you know, of loss, like, <laughs> just the lot. Yeah. Loss boner loss. You, yeah. Losing um, of 
your youthfulness. Uh, but also, like, I remember my parents were really into all this shit. There was so much, like, weight loss shit back in this time. Again, because that was the beauty standard of the time was just being skinny, not necessarily being healthy. So now you see all these crazy yes. workouts and stuff and, like, diets and things and, like, keto and all that stuff. But back then, it was, like, the Hollywood diet, which was, like, a drink that you would get. And then there was, like... Um, the you know Slim Fast and fucking Trim Spa um, and like all, all and uh Ginny and then there was I remember there was Ginny Craig which was right and that's a like little a, different that was like a that was like a program but yeah I mean that but was still. like very successful in this time and it was very much like a cultural uh touchstone like it was it was everyone knew that Jenny Craig was associated with weight loss, whether or not they knew exactly what it was. Jenny you know? Craig could be a dump, dude. I, I remember going with my mom to fucking Jenny Craig. Sorry to blow up my, my mom's spot. But uh, she, she <laughs> back in the day, I was like a little kid, and we'd have to go because they would give you your food for the week. Then they had this giant walk-in freezer that you'd go into, and they're like, okay, so you get this pasta and this fucking... It was all frozen shit and, like, bars, basically, and, like, little shakes. And my mom would be fucking livid like if I, like, went through her like chocolate like meal replacement bars because i'm just like a kid like playing grand theft auto mm -hmm. 3 like munching jenny craig bars <laughs> but uh right, right. i would get so bummed every time she would make the food because it would fucking reek dude but um yeah jenny craig i don't think it's it's anymore now it's mostly about weight watcher weight watchers if you're gonna do any of that stuff but anyways let's get back to uh uh, Hudi Gorodoni. So the ingredient in the plant that became known for appetite suppression in its synthesized form uh, was known as P57. The rights to use P57 were at one point under ownership of Pfizer, who in 2002 gave up the patent, making it available for public use. Again, we ain't scientists. And, uh, th you know, Trim Spa, it wasn't necessarily bad for you. But combined with a shitty to almost non-existent diet, an exhausting schedule, and constant substance abuse in several forms, it was basically fuel for the fire that was burning inside of Anna's body. Like, now you're now you're cutting out the food. Like, at least she was eating regularly before. You know, now she's still taking all the pills and drinking and, and all that stuff that she was doing before with a, a, you know, a hefty diet. Now just cut out the food. So now she's just dropping weight. And I, I guess like, she did drink a lot of Slim Fast. I guess that, that was the, the only thing she could like kind of choke down during this like heavy amount of appetite suppression. Um, yeah. But yeah, so this is really when you start like you start seeing her image improve, but her fucking health starts seriously declining. So Trim Spa. Right. And, yeah. and, and sorry. And that's also, you know, it is completely Im image improved, you know, meaning losing weight and yeah up to the to, standard just to reiterate yeah. you know just that what this time you know period i mean she did is, look good is like i'm not gonna so, say she didn't look good in the trim spot but era. she's but no but we're but she's always looked good she's always looked she's, good. yeah she's always looked great it's true you know me right like i'm yeah. a, i'm a fan i'm a fan fell in love the moment you saw her get stuck uh, in a tub episode one <laughs> <laughs> yeah so Trim Spa so. rebranded their new and improved product as Trim Spa X32. The rebrand came with a flashy new ad campaign featuring the one and only Anna Nicole Smith. So these were like late night ads. You would see them before Girls Gone Wild commercials and shit like that. And yeah, it was like, like my body. And she'd be like, like they do like contests, like cash giveaways, like buy Trim Spa, cut out the box tops, basically send them in. And she'd be like, want some money? Want a car? And like, it, it's just great. Like I'm going to post all those commercials or uh, all the ones I can find to uh, to yeah, our Patreon. They were, they were very, 
they were everywhere. They were everywhere. And it's, it's, it is funny to think about, again, I've talked about this on the previous episode, but to think about just maybe me as a teenager, like my, I, my understanding of Anna Nicole, like I don't, like now I kind of understand the story, but just not knowing her backstory, like it was super weird because she was sort of everywhere, but you just didn't, I just didn't really understand like what, it, none of it made any sense to me. She had this reality show. She was acting wild. She was in the news with like, and none of it, it didn't really paint. None of this made her seem like in, portrayed in a positive light. Right. This time. So, that's just how I remember it. At least, you know, like I didn't know the backstory. I didn't know where she came from. I didn't she either. She was a model at first. It just, it just seemed like, who is this person? That's just like constantly in these like really weird tabloid stories and doing these weight loss ads. I mean, I remember always being, being made fun of. Yeah. Like I, when, when the show came out, I was like 12, I was like getting into like warp tour punk and stuff. And like, I remember watching like the premiere with my parents and like, you know, also there had never really been a show, but like, e like even if you watch like the Osbournes, which I believe came out just before the Anna Nicole show, like, it was like a cleaner shot show than Anna. Like Anna Nicole show is really kind of like gorilla, like in the first season or like at least first couple episodes. So you're watching this, you're like, what is this fucking piece of shit? And then like, like you know, she was her, you know, she was her at that moment. And like, if you're too young to understand, you're just like, what the fuck is this? And then Trim Spa came out, and I remember that's like she became synonymous with Trim Spa. Like, yeah, it was very yeah. Those I just felt like those ads ran all the time yeah like, like my body they were just yeah it was just like relentless for a period yeah and i mean all of the print ads too i have one framed in my kitchen and it's just like get the <laughs> attention you deserve anna nicole is and then like yeah, and it's, yeah. it's funny because like you can really tell how not like like how kind of harsh everyone was on her for her weight because it shows the before picture and it's like she lost 60 pounds and you see the before picture like she doesn't look bad at all like what the fuck like and then, that's like, what i'm saying yeah yeah this also uh who is it jessica simpson right i mean that was a little later but there was like a similar and she's also like sort of this you know america's blonde bombshell type had a reality show who kind of you know i mean christ you have to like go back and just remember like even in this period was like the ubiquity of dumb blonde jokes which like also uh, yeah, is such, such a, a relic um you just <laughs> like if someone told a dumb blonde joke in 2023 like i don't even think people i don't even think a zoomer like a, would even understand why that was a joke like yeah. the <laughs> reference of that like the the context isn't even there anymore but no. that was just something you assumed oh like a dumb blonde like right well it's because now all uh, over the place so because now all the dumb fucking celebrity bombshells are all brunette but uh <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it was the same thing jessica simpson it was like people went after her for her weight and when you look back on it it's you're like what like that's wild that that was what was happening and that was yeah the, the criticism well i mean and again though like the 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 ads like they did seem to be kind of tongue-in-cheek with anna being in on it um and like yeah all the print ads are hilarious like they're all themed like one she's like with horses and she's like a cowgirl one it's like on the beach like one's like really serious like it, it, it's insane but um 
Also, she she started doing red like a bunch of red carpet appearances, and those were all used as an opportunity to hawk trim spa. Like she had a yes. little she had a little necklace made with like a trim spa charm on it, and she would like hold it up and like trim spa baby, and like like she became a walking ad. It was kind of genius for Alex Gowen and and the people at Trim Spa because it's like now anywhere you send her, it's a trim spa ad, and that's all anyone wants to talk about because that's she doesn't have a show anymore. She doesn't have this. She just has these ads and they were fucking huge. Um, but the company and Anna herself were the target of a fraud lawsuit, uh, in 2007, which was actually filed shortly before her death and kind of fizzled out. Um, but that's, we're not there yet. So also, sorry. Also another dump is, you know, Jared, the subway guy. Like I feel like there was, you know, just this sort of like, it was around the same time and it was kind of like the ad campaign was the person like, look, this, you know, the spokesperson is the proof that the product works. Yeah. You have, it's like very much like this before and after. I know that stuff still exists. And again, that's maybe because of the way we consume media. It, it happens differently. There are still plenty of weight loss advertisements. There's even more than before. Uh, but maybe when there was more of a funnel with television, it's just like Jared and Anna Nicole, you saw them so much and you, you know, like, I mean, it's crazy to think that, you know, you would lose weight, you know, eating Subway. Yeah. Um, but that's another dump that we've already covered. We've already done it. Yeah. So. I mean, and I, I guess the most similar thing nowadays would be Ozempic, right? Which, which, which is prescription uh, to my understanding. And you know, it's that there's not advertisements for Ozempic. The problem with it is was it's it's made for a certain kind of person that actually needs it. And it's been co-opted by celebrities that just want to lose weight. But like so many celebrities have used it that it's almost like a trim spot ad campaign with everyone being like, oh, yeah, no, it was Ozempic. Like, I don't give a shit. Who knows? Like or like being like, mm-hmm. how'd you lose all that weight? Is it Ozempic? Like that's trim spot now, like 100 percent. But it's just way more gnarly. So. As we previously mentioned, there are many moments throughout the life of Anna Nicole Smith that are considered iconic or detrimental to her story. There is the birth of her son Daniel, her introduction to J. Howard Marshall, her first Playboy cover, the guest campaign, her wedding, her legal woes, her television show. But none are so revered, so overplayed, so referenced and quoted as her appearance at the 2004 American Music Awards. If you can remember back to our award show Mega Mix episode, we discussed the cultural importance of award shows. Award shows are unique cultural landmarks because they feature so many different celebrities from so many different fields. At music award shows, the stakes are especially high because you have fans of many different genres tuning in to one show, which gives these shows a wide array of viewers um, that without the award shows, they might not ever watch something related to the music of an artist or a genre that they're not interested in. Like if you're like a heavy rocker, like you're watching the Grammys to see that fucking category but you're also gonna have to sit through rap and pop and everything else so you're kind of like the the eyes of the world are on you rather than just people that would be down with whatever it is you're doing so uh, you mm-hmm. know i mean and that, and that goes without saying um but essentially if you're on an award show all eyes are on you and for the most part you're being broadcast live so anything can happen the date yes. su- <laughs> yeah sunday november 14th 2004 the place the shrine auditorium in los angeles it was a star-studded evening set in the height of the rise of TMZ and salacious tabloid culture. Anna had not made a serious public appearance since her show's cancellation, but she was about to make a comeback in a big, big way. 
Anna Nicole Smith was asked to be a presenter at the American Music Awards. More specifically, she was asked to introduce the performance by mega dump in the making Kanye West. <laughs> the crowd goes crazy for a newly back-to-bombshell body Anna Nicole, who then proceeds to say, Anna Nicole Smith. My body. I was honored to be on our next performer's new video. And if I ever record an album, I want this guy to produce my make me beautiful duets. Now, if it's, I know most of you, like if you're into this show, you've probably seen that clip. Um, watch it again, cause it it's it's way fucking crazy. Like I've seen it a million times, and when I watched it a couple times through for this, and like you know, ripping the sample or whatever, I was like, dude, this is so much fucking more unhinged than I remember. Like she mm -hmm. is fucking, she's on one, dude. Like like her voice is yeah. different. Her fucking voice is different. She's not slurring. She's not doing the baby talk thing. She's not doing like oh whoopsie. Like she is fucking fucked up. Like it's like. It's undeniable. It is undeniable. And like you hear the crowd, like like everyone's so stoked because she comes out and she's like, like my body. And like you're just like, yeah. oh boy. <laughs> and then she fucking goes on. I mean, you just heard it. It's like that that was insane. And but the performance from West went off without a hitch. But that performance was followed by host Jimmy Kimmel exclaiming that Anna was the best performance of the night. And before right. the night also yeah. I also just to fill in, you know, she she was in Kanye's video. Right. Right. Um, right. Uh, which was his song uh, New Workout Plan, which is also like it's just tying, like the tying in yet again. And this is like this is way before a lot of Kanye things had happened uh, right. at this point. You know, Kanye was just seen as this like. Like he was the underdog, and everyone's like, "This is like everyone was rooting for Kanye at this point." He's about he had, to become the biggest star on the planet, like exactly. Yeah. Um. And so that, and like even that song, like that, if just to go into like dumpness is like he never, like he didn't really write a song like that before. That just kind of is such a. I mean, I guess just this whole like workout video thing was a you know such a. It was just such a presence. So he makes like his own send up of a workout video and Anna Nicole plays uh, uh, LMA, tr LMA, the trophy wife. Ah. And it's just kind of like that video in itself is also like just a pretty weird trip to go back and watch. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, see her in it. it. It's a moment in t- early 2000s, man. I mean, it's uh, it, <laughs> you had to be there. Uh, that's yeah. why. That, but that's why you're here. So the performance. Yeah. Like I said, it went off without a hitch. It, it, it was fine. But Anna really stole the show. And so people started to trash her. But for the first time, they were also trashing the producers who allowed her to go on stage in such an obviously inebriated state. Also, there was blame placed on her management team, which at this point was basically just Howard K. Stern and Stern explained mm-hmm. that Anna was actually fine. She might have flubbed a line here or there, but which there was only fucking what three. <laughs> but um, but she, she wasn't under the influence. He he, you know, was very persistent about that. She was totally fine, totally sober. Uh, he even cited interviews that she did shortly after her appearance that same night, where she seems way more under control. But who knows why that was? Um, like why would you keep it chill for red carpet interviews, but fucking just blow it? on stage like for the big moment um Mm -hmm. also though it has been reported that she had a seizure the night before as we said she was prone to seizures like you know before in her life and she was even in a coma at one point um and that was usually due to drug use either withdrawals from from benzos or just bad mix um her health uh, all that stuff so but that's been disputed so i don't know if that's if that's for sure or if that was just an excuse concocted by Howard and the management team, like, well, you know, and she had, it's like, well, if she did, then why'd you guys fucking push her on stage? You assholes. Like it all fall. Like again, this is the first time where Anna isn't necessarily to blame. It's, it's the people around her now that people are, Oh, she's kind of like, like this tornado, you know, and there's all these things sucked in around her that, that are making this bad. Um, And unfortunately it's just kind of, yeah. I mean, it's just a met. It's just like a messy thing. And it's it's just very tabloidy because it's happening at an award show. We saw what happened with Chris Rock. Yeah, we did. Like when things happen at award shows, it's kind of like like the events. These are already like these huge, like give yourselves a pat on the back. Like you're not doing enough by being all over the place and super famous. Like here's this like. One more moment to con- let's all congratulate ourselves for being rich and famous and influential, right? Right. So they're yeah. they're already like you know people have now like award shows are like this kind of unnecessary thing and indulgent in the first place, and then when these mishaps happen, it's like they become these huge news pieces. Right. Again, it's like you know with the Oscars, it's like you might only go to you might only be watching it because you want to see if this one movie from this one actor that you like does well, or you want to see what people are wearing. But you're being exposed to like this whole world all at once, whereas you're used to getting it just in pieces. Like you know, like you'll never see like with like you know like again like the Grammys. Like you'll never see like fucking some of the like like Drake and like fucking Metallica like play on the same fucking show but you're going to see them at the same award show so metalheads and fucking rap fans are tuning in you know so there is just a right. way broader audience um now the American Music Awards debacle marked the beginning of a new phase in Anna's life the public eye party girl phase when she had her show and was considered to be overweight she was portrayed as a lovable but lost bumpkin now she was seen as a more seasoned Paris Hilton type The problem with this persona was that Anna's body had already suffered years and years of abuse and she was in no shape to begin a new life as a wild child. You know, it's like she like she never was not a wild child. You know, she was never not like doing these things a lot. 
but now but now that that game. becomes her persona like before you were this down home beauty and then you become kind of this like like on tv like glamorous hillbilly and now we want you to be like the party girl on the town because like you're fucking quote unquote hot again you Seen know like leaving the club at right you know, three in the morning like and, this is the era covering yourself yeah yeah like this is that era of so many like of those like unflattering like flash paparazzi photos of stars you know wasted leaving the club and and famous people are still getting fucked up yeah uh, again it was just it was just this very particular way in which it was like you know it was that paparazzi flash well yeah and again we're coming out of the 90s where like we talked about this in the heroin chic episode where like it wasn't cool to like being famous you know like like we're, we're mm -hmm. out of that now so now it's like all about the paparazzi that's like half of your existence and you do it on purpose but also like i mean you're starting to see photos of like anna with like courtney love or like fucking paris hilton or Lindsay lohan or britney spirit like like all these like high-end Party girls. Also, um, in two thousand four, I want to say that VH1. That's when VH1 was like really kicking it, um, and, and kicking mm -hmm. ass. But um, they had this thing like Big Year, where it was like a, an end of the year special, and then they would do an award show where it was like the best of the year. And Anna in two thousand four won Best Makeover. And dude, like the fucking introduction for her is so fucking heavy handed. And by the way, uh, dumps collide because uh, Flavor Flav and Bridget Nielsen are the ones that are presenting that award. Uh, yeah, so right, you, you have right. that, but Anna comes out and like, yeah, they're like, she was fucking fat, but now she's not. And like, it's just like, Jesus. Um, but she comes out with a giant bra, which is like a huge fucking bra. She's like, I used to wear this, but now trim spot, baby. And she throws it out in the crowd and these like two dudes, I think it, it looks like I, and I don't want to get this wrong, but it looks like it's real and chance from real chance at love, but it might just be two guys. <laughs> I don't know. Cause I can't see cause there's this giant bra covering them, but they're at this VH one show. So it's not. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, to be fair, yeah, like, she, or not to be, but just, you know, she was completely, um, invested in this trim spa campaign like she 100%. was selling the shit out of it well and just her just her existing was selling it because of how thin she got and how, and, the, and the big turnaround um but yeah she throws this bra and then she like goes to like take off her top she's like this is what i wear now and then she gets like ushered off stage it's a whole thing she, she's in on it again she's always kind of been in on it but like that starts to get really blurry around this time and again i think that that has a lot to do with the fact that when she had her show, she was eating like she had a steady diet, even if it was junk food, like she was getting nutrients. Now she's on this appetite suppression shit, still taking as many pills as she ever did, if not more and being expected to. And now her public appearances are ramped up. She's going to more and more parties, more and more nightclubs. It's starting to wear on her. So flashback to May 2003 at the Barnstable Brown Gala, an annual charity charity event that takes place during the Kentucky Derby. Anna meets a young photographer by the name of Larry Burkhead. This chance meeting would set the stage for the final chapter of the saga of Anna Nicole Smith and laid the groundwork for her final scandal. Now, by all accounts, except for a very bitter Howard K. Stern, it was lust at first sight. Anna was hanging on Larry all night. They were going back and forth, flirting, blowing each other kisses across the room. They pretty much instantly began a relationship. Now, just a few months after meeting Anna Nicole, Larry moved to Los Angeles to live with her, Howard, Kimmy, Sugar Pie, and Daniel. That's a rough situation Damn. to move into. 
that's just a lot of people to be living in a house. Well, and also with. people that are like so obsessed with Anna, like you have Kimmy, like and and Howard, like always at odds because like Kimmy has uh, uh, seemingly has Anna's best intentions. You have Daniel, who's just like doesn't want anything to do with any of this and just wants his mom to be okay. You have Howard, who's pushing her and pulling her in a million different directions, seeing what what hits as far as money goes. You have Sugar Pie taking pisses and shits everywhere, yapping, and then this guy Larry moves in, who is now Anna's like sole focus. And so now none of these people who live off of her attention are getting it. And so now all of their animosity is going to be focused on this one poor guy yeah, I, who just loves I mean, this girl. Yeah. To be fair, you know, Daniel was is her, her son. I right. mean, how old was he at the time? Like, was he even he's getting he, he's like, this is late teens. This is very, right, very. So this is like, like 18, 19. Yeah. Daniel, Daniel can be there. Daniel's, you know, he's not even 18 yet. Of course, Daniel can be there. Um. <laughs> But he just but, feels yeah, so backed in a corner that he's like so he's like barely involved in her life because there's no fucking room for him. Yeah, man, I feel uh, I feel terrible. Just kind of it's bad. No, about this stuff. I, well, it's dude, but. buckle <laughs> buckle up, bud. Uh, buckle up. So the details uh. of the next few years of Anna's life are a little wishy washy. According to the book Blonde Ambition, the untold story behind Anna Nicole Smith's death, it was filled with vacations, star-studded parties, toxic private parties, and a strange budding sex-infused love triangle between Anna, Larry, and unfortunately, Howard K. Stern. Now, this is something from the book. Again, this is this is very he says, she says stuff, but I had never heard this uh, until reading this book, which I can't recommend enough. Very well written. Um, according to Jackie Hatton, one of Anna's close friends, there were several occasions where Larry and Howard were seen around this house engaging in sexual acts, some of which were filmed. Those videos would be watched by Anna over and over again, usually while she was laughing or showing her friends. Like, look at Howard sucking Larry's dick. And they'd be like, oh, my God, that's crazy. Like, that's fucking insane. And it's kind of like a power play. Um, and it's and, and there is a lot of stuff. Like, it's believed that Larry was gay or at least bisexual, whereas Howard seemed to be doing these things at the behest of Anna in order to stay ahead in the race for her affection. Right. So it's like Larry might have actually been down with this. He like there's he has a alleged history with men uh, even after his his separation from Anna he had a live-in roommate and a confirmed bachelor shit no one knows for sure what was going on but that's always been in the cards at least um, whereas it seemed like Howard was like well I'll like whatever you say Anna yeah sure like yeah like let's do it Larry like just to just to so so Larry didn't have anything over him right Mm -hmm. Now, it's also worth noting that she was doing a little acting uh, during all this time. We forgot that she did this movie called Wasabi Tuna. She was in Be Cool and All of Us. Um, but not to mention, we, we did forget to tell you that she was on an episode of Allie McBeal. She was in an episode of The Wire. And she was in the music video for Third Eye Blind song Jumper. So, like, that's... Okay, I so I knew about uh, Jumper... Uh, she was also in a Super Tramp video, which we might have already talked about. Like a late, you know, Super Tramp's like a big 70s band. Right. <laughs> Why um, did they have a music video? Because I don't know. But the jumper, apparently she just was like, happened to just be there stopping by. And then Third Eye Blind was like, you should be in the video. Which I is would... a song about, you know, like pleading with your friend to not kill himself. Uh, like don't jump off that ledge and so I watched jumper 
you know, I love the song, but I was like, I, I want to see Anna Nicole and Jumper. She's not it. I mean, it feels like that because she's not like a star. Like she was just in it. But what's funny about the video is like the, the lyrics are so like it's so like, you know, just heartfelt and sincere. And then the video is just like third eye blind, like at some like grungy club, like partying. <laughs> and, and and it's just like them like looking like sexy like being like 90s rock stars and you're like what but wait what are you guys singing about like there's no i mean not, i don't like i just maybe i assume there would be some dramatic like suicide prevention narrative right. to go along with the video it's not it's just like steven jenkins from third eye blind at a club looking sexy like making eyes with anna nicole smith and like that's the video He's like, yeah, it's like, I, I'll tell you what, if I was uh, ready to jump <laughs> off a ledge and Third Eye Blind started singing to me, I might I'd probably still go for it. But if Anna Nicole fucking came out and told me to step away from the ledge and uh, asked me if I wanted some money, I would uh, like want some money. Oh, I'd be like, yes, you don't <laughs> you don't like uh, Third Eye Blind. <laughs> no, I love I, Third Eye Blind, I, I, but I'm just saying, I, you Anna know, Nicole would be the 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 tipping Yes. Back to safety point. Exactly. Um, exactly. I really, I got into the wire. I don't, I would love to know where she was on the wire. It's I on her IMDb. I, I didn't. The first time. You know, I doubt that um, she's like, so what the fuck's up with these drugs? Like, I, I bet she's like probably background yeah. again, you know. And, uh, and be cool. This is so rant. This is like the most like dad ass trivia be cool is the sequel to get shorty <laughs> um which is like <laughs> which because basically after pulp fiction like the sort of like really cool crime yeah like high genre leather jackets like it's like and we're gonna be really violent but we're gonna be just talking about like milkshakes and shit yeah you know like we're gonna have non and so like that whole so be cool is kind of like 10 years after the fact which which funny enough has travolta and uma thurman starring in it yeah more like um, not cool but there was this this guy uh elmore leonard Le leonard elmore leonard leonard he was leonard like <laughs> <laughs> anyway i just remember my dad had a bunch of his books and i think he even i think he adapted jackie brown so this is like this was like the cool crime, the cool dad crime book author of the 90s. I have right. I don't know what Anna Nicole did in the movie. Um, right. This is a this is just some random ass fucking movie. Yeah. And, and Allie McBeal. I mean, of course, like like the dancing baby that she would see during like her mental breaks. Like that was such a thing of the time. But um, let's get oh, back. But to apparently oh. Fred Durst was also in Be Cool. So, oh, so maybe it was cool. I got to watch it. <laughs> yeah, so it was cool. Yeah, we'll do a we'll do a, a squirts on be cool. Um, so <laughs> so during this time, Howard K. Stern did everything in his power to drive a wedge between Anna and anyone close to her. And that included her son, Daniel and assistant Kimmy, but mainly her boyfriend, Larry Burkhead. Anna's drug use began to increase at this time as well. She was taking multiple stimulants throughout the day to battle the regularly scheduled regimen of downers and painkillers she was taking. And all of this was topped off with trim spa and vitamin injections. She was becoming so malnourished that she was started taking daily injections of vitamins, generally 
Uh, I mean, that's a huge thing with rock docs, like B12 shots backstage, like, like anything to like jump you back up. But you're not supposed to do that shit daily. And you're definitely not supposed to inject in the same site every time she was doing it in one of her butt cheeks. Uh, so like the marks couldn't be seen or if she had any bruising or anything, it, it couldn't be shown. Um, and that will come into play uh, next episode. Now, two and a half years into her relationship with Larry, it was announced that she was pregnant. Initially, it was well known and fairly obvious to everyone that Larry was the father. The prospect of Anna having a child with another man was frightening to Howard K. Stern, who could foresee his control over the star waning as her bond with the, her new baby's father would certainly grow after the birth. This is when Howard really became a son of a bitch. Three months into her pregnancy, Anna Nicole Smith picked up and moved to the Bahamas with Howard Stern and her newly appointed entourage, which included her friend and psychiatrist Christine Aroskevich, security detail Maurice Big Mo Brightthrop and his wife, and against the wishes of Larry Burkhead, her unborn child. Now, notice the lack of people who shined a light on her life. Like Daniel, her son, who's been there since the fucking start, isn't there. Kimmy, who could have been seen as a hanger-on, but at least she seemed well-intentioned. They're gone. It's just this this new group. Like You have the, the yeah. friend and psychiatrist. I, I, I reluctantly use the word friend first. It was definitely like, oh, let's keep someone that can prescribe you all these medications on deck at all times. You know, and a lot of these medications... You know what? We gotta, we gotta do like, what's up with the Bahamas? Like, <laughs> like this, you always hear about the Bahamas. They have really this, like, sick laws there. Like, it's just this place where, like, it's like Americans are like, yeah, you can just like do whatever you want. Like, it's like a whole country that's doing its own thing, and it's just this place where like all this messed up shit happens. Like. I gotta learn more about the Bahamas. Yeah, no, it, it's a it's a it's a haven uh, for for sure, um, and and we'll but I'll explain why. Um, but yeah, you know, and again, like so, the psychiatrist is now on on their team, traveling around with him, going living with like almost like part of her glam squad, you know, and she's writing prescriptions to both Vicky Lynn that was that was the name the prescriptions were under for Anna, but also to Howard because it would seem suspicious to write so many under one person's name, you know. Um, it's, it's basically what this what this happens. Uh, I mean, this happened with Elvis too, where right. it's like people, you know, you get you're so famous, um, and you just kind of get surrounded with people who, I mean, yes men or or people that are gonna just like never tell you no, but they might still be, you know, subtly manipulating you for their own personal gain. And you just get surrounded by people who don't really have your best in intentions at heart. And you are also like this super celebrity. So life isn't normal for you. So there's not really a way for you to uh, be like, wow, like this is completely insane that my life is like this because my life's always been kind of always been crazy. It's always been like that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That, that, that's, that's the whole thing. But also, you know, it, this was at, this was at, you know, the, uh, uh, this was under the influence of Howard and who was just like, Hey, let's go to the Bahamas. Let's get away from all this crazy stuff. You want to separate from Larry? Great. Uh, let's go to the Bahamas. Now there is multiple reasons for the move to the Bahamas specifically, all of which are seedy. There's tax reasons, isolation reasons. Like let's keep her away from any inkling of stuff that she's used to, you know, uh, that's like, it's almost like cult shit. Like I keep them isolated, keep Anna isolated. So she really only, she has to rely on me. Never, um, never 
follow them to a second location. Right. Yeah, especially if it's so. if it's over fucking seas. Now, there was also celebrity worship reasons. Like, there's not that many fucking giant celebrities in the Bahamas. So when you go there, like, a lot of doors are open for you. But most of all, there was child custody reasons. And all of these reasons helped to serve the wishes of Howard K. Stern. After successfully turning Anna against the father of her unborn child, he realized that the American laws would eventually grant Burkhead some form of custody over his child. That could possibly mean that Anna would have to pay child support and in turn not be able to give Howard as much attention or money as he desired. And this is where it gets really dark and starts to take a serious turn for the worst. This is where you really start to see Howard sink his fangs into the situation in ways more devious than ever before. In the Bahamas. And, th- and now this is where it gets really complicated in the book. I'm, I'm trying to paraphrase this stuff or, or give you like the dump, you know, cliff notes uh, of this. But again, read the book if you want to know like the serious, like complete breakdown of the logistics of this. But my understanding is this. In the Bahamas, if you give birth, the father is determined by who is listed on the birth certificate or was at least present at the time of birth, as opposed to in America where it all boils down to DNA. All Anna would have to do to get rid of Larry and any chance of him being involved in his child's life was to give birth in the Bahamas and list someone else, namely Howard, as the father. But in order to do any of this successfully, Anna would have to become a citizen of the Bahamas, which is a process that could take years to complete. But when you're the most glamorous B-level American celebrity in the Bahamas, you don't have to wait for shit. So Anna and Howard began to buddy up with Shane Gibson, the Bahamian Minister of Immigration, the man who could single-handedly grant Anna citizenship. What none of them realized is he didn't really have the power to streamline the application process, but after an alleged $10,000 check and a $25,000 watch, plus several nights on the town with Anna and company, Shane Gibson granted Anna the citizenship she needed to cut Larry Burkhead out of the equation. These allegations would later force Gibson to resign from his position. There's all these pictures of the, like her and, and this guy, Shane Gibson, in bed, like not naked or anything. Like They're fully closed, but like their faces are really close together. They're gazing in each other's eyes. Like who knows what the situation was? He was just enamored. She also employed his his father to be like kind of like a, a caretaker. And, and, and she but she eventually would uh, end up wound up buying a, a boat and he cared for the boat and he could drive the boat. She also employed his mother to be like a nanny and a housekeeper and gave him all this money so they they you know he pushed through her uh citizenship application <laughs> so i and i didn't really know about this but these pictures are, are... they awesome I, I didn't actually look them up i just read about it is it awesome <laughs> i mean awesome? yeah like yeah they're they're clothed but like she's got her arms wrapped around him um I, I'm, I'm looking it up right I mean, now dude he's cheesing oh this looks he's... so bad <laughs> oh, this looks awful. <laughs> this is wild. Oh my god. Dude, he... Yeah, no, Dude. 100%. That is so crooked. <laughs> Yeah, so, okay, so yeah, but he ended up, like, they're like, yeah, dude, not cool, so he fucking, he had to resign. Now, the situation unfolding in the Bahamas was not only concerning for Larry, who was seeing his unborn child being tore away from him, but also for Anna's now 20-year-old son, Daniel Smith, who for the first time in his life was separated from his mother. Daniel wished to remain out of the spotlight and was living with Anna's longtime friend, Ray Martino. Uh, This was in Los Angeles, where Daniel was attending community college courses. 
Now, due to his mother's increasingly volatile behavior publicly, plus the never, you know, the ever decreasing amount of communication he had with her, Daniel began to worry about his mother's safety as well as the safety of his unborn sibling. Like I said, Howard starts really getting in, in the mix here. Um, like Daniel would call the Bahamas house. Oh, Anna's not here. Oh, she'll call you back. Oh, she's asleep right now. Always Howard answering. All Like if it was someone else answering, Howard would get on the phone on the other line. Oh, no, sorry, Daniel. She's not here. Like keeping this this distance. Um and like also when he would speak to her, she was sounding worse and worse, more and more sedated, more and more tired, more and more exhausted. And she's also pregnant and she's all the way in the Bahamas. It's just not looking good. And he's really starting to worry because his whole life he's been seeing his mom get the fucking short end of the stick. You know, while she's getting yeah. all the success and fame and glamour and all this, he's the one that's there when the cameras aren't. And he's seeing like the real effects of all this stuff and the lifestyle and everything. And as he gets older, he now has a clear understanding of what's really going on and and he does not like it. So in a last ditch effort to protect his mother from harm, Daniel met with seasoned private investigator Jack Harding at Patty's Diner in Los Angeles. He voiced his concern to Harding, specifically mentioning that Howard was administering drugs to his mother as well as several others that she was surrounded by. He also made accusations that he believed, and this is fucked up, that Howard was in some way pimping out his mother, claiming that he would see Howard collect large amounts of money from men going in and out of his mother's room while she was heavily sedated. And that is the darkest shit ever. Daniel called it the yeah. mil he called it the millionaires club. And he said that there could be upwards of 50 men a year, different men coming and going to, in his words, lay his mom. You know, so like she's passed out. Oh, you want to spend some time with Anna? Yeah, boom. And she's and Howard's making money on the side that way while keeping Anna completely doped up. And I mean, we know that Anna was a sexual person. She did have, you know, many casual flings and stuff. But I mean, this is coming from her fucking son who had nothing bad to say about his own was incredibly close to her. Why would he ever make that up, especially to someone in such a serious position as a private investigator? You know, it's it's. I mean, that, that was something very, that was a well, revelation from the book that I was like, holy fuck. That's wild. And also, so to kind of go along with that and Shane Gibson, uh, so there was a Canadian uh, fashion executive, Peter J. Nygaard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who in 2020 was accused of long-term sex trafficking, rape, racketeering, um, and he had all these charges of sex trafficking, um, underage girls, uh, victims, alleged victims under the age of 16. Just a nice uh, guy. In the Bahamas, and uh, apparently, and there also in 2020, uh, there was a claim that he. Uh, he gifted, quote unquote, Anna Nicole Smith uh, to Shane Gibson. Um, um, so, so Anna Nicole's actually, name was mentioned in this lawsuit in 2020, uh, and and Gibbs Shane Gibson was also mentioned in the lawsuit, not only with Anna Nicole but also with uh, children. I do so. Well. His, so Gibson is a career criminal politician. Yeah, well, it's the well, Bahamas. It you can. Like. You're far away from That's what I'm a lot saying. The Bahamas, like all this crazy stuff happens there, and it's always being sold to you as this like this great place to you know go for a vacation. And meanwhile, it's just like this place where like all sorts of like shady shit happens. 
Yeah. Well, and, and Nygaard's name shows up a lot in, in the book, um, and you know, because they, they dated or whatever. But, yeah, I, I do I do remember that, like, I, I thought it was weird that one of their only, like, friends from, like, the mainland essentially, like, also was just living there. Like, that's, yeah, it's, it's weird. Um, but, you know, Howard, this whole time, he was threatening, controlling, and Daniel's mother would be so out of it that she could never really stand up for herself or for Daniel, who eventually, yeah, was nudged out of the picture. So tragically, Daniel was broke. He was not included in any of Anna's deals, and Howard was in no way going to help him financially. Without the required funds, Harding was unable to complete an investigation into Daniel's claims. But in a convenient turn of events, Daniel was summoned to the Bahamas to welcome his new baby sister into the world. Anna Nicole Smith gave birth to a beautiful baby girl that she named Danny Lynn Hope Marshall Stern on September 7, 2006, in a hospital in Nassau, Bahamas. Though he loathed the Bahamas, Daniel Smith came to visit his mother. This is not to mention that in the months leading up to his trip, Daniel had been affected by stomach cramps and back pain, symptoms that the doctors attributed to stress and depression during a brief hospital stay in early 2006. Daniel arrived in the Bahamas on September 9, 2006. After spending the night by his mother and baby sister's side, Daniel crawled into bed with his beloved mother for some much-needed comforting. At 9.30 a.m., the morning of September 10th, Anna Nicole Smith woke up to find that her firstborn child, 20-year-old Daniel Smith, was deceased. And that's where we're going to leave you this week. So, yeah, to be continued, we have one episode left. Next next episode will conclude this harrowing tale. We have her final film, her final wedding, her final words. And and it, uh, it also, you know, and again, I'm just there's something. By about the way, this. buy one of our shirts. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh God, dude. Well, you didn't. You didn't have to put it like that. I did. It's like that's um, like the next thing in my notes, and I'm like, Jesus, I sound like such an asshole if I fucking segue. So I had I had to do, do it hard, dude. <laughs> um, um, I just wanted to. I'm just like my little like island obsession here. Uh, just this also reminded me. You're an island you know, boy of like uh, of a. Uh, uh, the of Jonestown uh, <laughs> in the sense of like, well, no, because it was like, you know, things were going wrong in the, you know, Jim Jones, the Jonestown uh, massacre. And then they were like, we got to go, you know, and they go to Guyana, if I'm not pronouncing that right. And then that's when shit really gets bad. It's yeah. Like once you've like completely isolated yourself. So there, I mean, obviously there are two very different stories, but there is this similarity of isolating yeah. yourself to this island you're you're now no longer under american law anymore um and it's just it 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 is tragic and it also like just in the you know daniel like meeting the private detective in the diner in la like again there are just these movie things and i don't mean that to be insensitive but there's just there is just so much to this story that i don't know it's just it's very hard to describe because it it's still i don't i don't necessarily feel any better for um having de delved so deep into it but there is just so much uh to the story that it's i guess it says a lot about us and just the way that you're just sort of drawn to it there is so yeah. much that is kind of enticing about her story uh it's very tragic there are times and, we're, and we're, we're not even done we're not even done yet no um, no it, it's a and it is a doozy and it, i mean i and I, I know you're going to have one hell of a uh, what does it all mean when it when it all comes down to it. Oh, I'm going to cry. I'm just trying to think, you know, I'm trying to think about 
what does it all mean? Because it, it, it is something there is something there. Um, but it's it's just it's sad. It is sad. It's it's incredibly sad. I mean, I, it, the idea like there's something so like I don't want, again, I don't want to trivialize anything by using cliches, but like. You know, people use phrases like Greek tragedy. People use phrases like Shakespearean. Like, that shit definitely applies to, like, this whole thing of, like, oh, I'm giving birth to this. Be like, like one child comes in, one leaves, you know? Like, one life mm -hmm. is left behind in America. A new one is started in the Bahamas. Like, like how how dark can this go? Like, and, and then you have Howard Stern in the middle of all this, you know? And it's... it's um, that to me is just the most tragic thing ever that, you know, you're in a hospital bed because you just gave birth to a healthy baby girl and you're and like the love of your life, your son, that like the person that gave you like the 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 motivation to move on in life and to and to work harder and to and make her dreams come true is gone. Like she she, you mm -hmm. know, she hasn't had a her, her new child for but what, 24 hours, a little bit more than a day. And one lead it, it's uh that's easily probably the most the most tragic part of this story i would say even more so than what we're going to cover next uh next weekend mm -hmm. or next weekend next yeah. next week or ne next episode i should say um yeah. and, and dude folks after we're done with anna like i'm we're doing like fun stuff for a little while like i'm doing we're doing like fun like one-offs episodes for for a second mm -hmm. <laughs> just to yeah. Yeah, wa 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 watch the palette you know for sure yeah it's it's getting it's it's tough stuff. Yeah. So, folks, with that being said, uh, you know, we always like to remind you we have over 100 bonus episodes on our Patreon, patreon.com slash culture dumps. I've been putting up tons and tons of Anna videos up there, um, you know, episodes of her show and, you know, talk show moments and everything like that. Um, she was on the RuPaul show like before, like which is just like awesome. Um, like that, that's like one talk show that like just isn't in anyone's reach to release on like a streamer, which it fucking absolutely should. Um, it's so mm -hmm. cool, but yeah, she was on that. Um, but yeah, so, so check out our Patreon if you can. Um, another great way to support us is, you know, sharing the show with your friends, uh, you know, reposting things that we post, getting one of our limited edition shirts at culturedumps.bigcartel.com. Um, with that being said, if you have any suggestions or comments uh, for Culture Dumps, you can send us an email at culturedumps at gmail.com or contact us on Instagram at culturedumps. I'm Ryan Lichten. I'm Parks Miller. Keep on dumping. <laughs>